Thank you for listening to this artist talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. In this live recording, Alastair McClucky explains his work on display in Sappers and Shrapnel, Contemporary Art and the Art of the Trenches. This exhibition is free to attend and is showing until the 29th of January 2017. As, as I mentioned, on, on the western wall and on the two wing north and south walls are works by Alastair McClucky, who uh, I've known Alastair's work for a few years and always been completely besotted by it. And um, the resonance between the body of work called Fields of Ecstasy over here, which is also on the front banner at the front of the building, and the Turkish prisoner of war snakes was the opportunity or the excuse for me to work with Alastair. I've been looking for one. And then it was like, yes, snap. It's more serendipity than anything, as Alastair will explain, but join me in welcoming and congratulating Alastair McClucky. Thank you. Um, I was, I, I'll, I'll start then by talking about um, Fields of Ecstasy, which, which runs along um, the main, the main wall there of the three walls that my work's on, um, because it's a, it's an older um, body of work, and like you said, relates so um, directly to um, the Turkish prisoners, prisoners of war's beaded work. Um, it is, it is amazing. Um, so, how could we not kind of include that older work? Um, the idea, even even I said like when we first got when we first got in touch, and you sort of put you pointed out specifically that the there's two of them actually. So those kind of two works, um, it was sort of it was I felt it was a, it was daunting kind of looking looking at how powerful those those works are and um, trying to come up with something new. So it was kind of lucky that it turned out I'd already come up with something old that could be <laughs> um, that could be included. Um, and I think. Particularly with the particularly with the bead works, the old, the older series and the the newer works that are on um, that wall there, I liked I like to think about and kind of talk about um, mostly process and the material involved in creating the, the works. Um, and I think process and material is actually um, a really strong theme that I pick up and see that resonates throughout the entire exhibition, um, which is great. And, and, it, and you know, maybe particularly, or, or particularly kind of um, resonates through a lot of like, maybe what is, could be considered craft as much as, um, for, you know, fine art ways of, of um, making things. And then when I think about it, I think then time is this element that, that resonates really strongly through, um, you know, through through beadwork, through stitching, through weaving, through um, through so much of what is is going on um, in the museum at the moment, and I think that's a really interesting element as well um, to think about in relation to um, the the over, you know the the broad concept and um, and theme that is go that is that again is going on um, with the show. Um, so Fields of Ecstasy was originally. Um, also about it was also about uh, nature and uh, time and seasonality and this one uh, sort of uh, I suppose maybe even a macro and a micro um, investigation or idea around what nature is uh, represented through the, uh, a consistent kind of 
uh, largely abstract motif that then with every season uh, would change its colour but would fundamentally hold its own, hold its own shape. And, I think, and again, so it's a, and then it's interesting that then nature still resonates with literally with the kind of snakes that, that um, were made and that are behind me. Um, and also then, and then again with nature and a kind of the, the pattern and the repetition of nature creating a kind of um, circular, um, you know, cir circular idea of, t of time and again repetition. So it's patterns that, are, that operate smallly and consistency that then you can step back, look, look at from, a, from a higher vantage point and then see another layer of pattern that then repeats itself and so on and so on. Um, and, I and then I suppose like other artists have talked about, then the more that you can kind of um, look at and acknowledge these patterns that we, that we create, if they're not particularly um, healthy patterns for, for people, then hopefully we can acknowledge them and shift the pattern, break the pattern and make it into um, something else or something different, something more positive. Um, I think I'll also talk about the, 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 the small series of drawings on the far wall right behind me because those are also, those are the newest works that I've created for the um, exhibition and they were a direct response to um, my favourite piece of, of trench art or my favourite um, piece of work from the um, Australian War Memorial collection and excuse me for referring to my notes but I don't want to get his name um, wrong. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a beautiful embroidered cushion cover um, made by C Corporal Edward Gordon Patrick Sullivan uh, while he was a prisoner of war in Ch at Changi. Um, and it was, and so initially the, the work kind of st struck me um, because I think because it, it, it so it's a it's a um, an, a beautifully embroidered cushion cover as I said with a subtle border around it, two palm trees, uh, a, a boat and uh, a farmer or some, a, a little figure kind of working in the other corner and then the words um, prisoner of war Changi 1942 I believe right there in the middle of it so it's this sort of beautiful kind of delicate um, expression on I felt on one level that kind of screamed in your face with the, with the prisoner of war uh, expression of his, of, his, of his experience, of his life while he was making it, which was kind of, um, dis, you know, distressing, I, I imagine, to say the least. But then was sort of, was made so delicately and beautifully and flanked by these um, really, this, these sort of serene kind of um, motifs and scenes that kind of surrounded um, this sort of statement that it was this, um, like fantastic and almost like unbelievable um, dynamic that was going on within this um, one piece of work, and I can't, you know, I, f I don't, I, I don't want to kind of, I don't, I don't want to kind of speak so much to his ex his experience or any sol you know, soldier's experience, any any anyone's experience who has, you know, who has made something in those circumstances because it's kind of, it's a, it is unfathomable for, for me to um, kind of think that way. But I can imagine a, a a need for escapism that can be found in in making um, escapism from the 
from the situation that all, that all these people would find them, that had, had found themselves in. Uh, and so, so, so for me it was this, ama so it's this amazing sort of escapism which was kind of a, a dream in how serene some of this, this work was at the same time as being a kind of nightmare with the, the um, brutal kind of prisoner of war, um, you know, expression in the middle of it. So the works on the, on the far wall there, I kind of wanted to take, I, I took a lot of the, the literal kind of motifs and the aesthetics that were beautifully created in that work and kind of, um, you know, tried to sort of expand on what those images were. Um, and expand this idea of, of kind of operating in a in a dream space that was also a nightmare space, which is also an escape from reality and very much, I assume, his reality at the time. So all so, the, you know, just you know, the work really resonated with me, and I think it was fascinating because it kind of existed on all those levels at that um, exact same time. As you can, when you get, when you get, if you want to get up and close to the, the, the beadworks, it's obviously two different, different bodies of work. Um, like I said, the, the ones on that wall are older and I was taught, they're, they're made by using a loom. Um, and I was taught how to loom bead by my dad, who is um, an interesting fellow to say the least. Um, he's an architect by trade and has, has, he's just got, um, has all his life, um, has had a fascination with, um, you know, ancient cultures, history um, that aren't that aren't that aren't his own. So he's he's a sort of amateur. In, when he was younger, he was a sort of amateur collector of um, certain certain artifacts. Um, and I suppose that interest, because he was um, creative himself, he continued to kind of explore that interest by then engaging in teaching himself um, the various techniques of the various cultures that he was um, that he was interested in um, so he taught himself how to how to how to um, to loom weave beads um, through an interest with Native American um, cultures uh, and when I was at um, when I was doing my undergraduate degree in in Melbourne in the I've got a degree in painting um, Taught, like was some was just aware that he knew how to do this weird thing. He'd made he'd made his own little loom and everything. So I asked if he would teach me how to do it, which he was happy to um, happy to do. And so the and so I, I taught myself how to do it while I was at school. But the but beading didn't kind of exist in my practice um, very much until after I left school. And it just and so and also I mean bro broadly my work has this there's this element to the work to my work whether it be drawing has been consistent. The beading is now consistent, collaging, I work in a couple of different ways, but it always tends to be a meticulous application of um, material, because the the, I'm very interested in process, so it tends to be this sort of long um, process. So, beading, so, it's in, so if it's drawing, the drawings tend to be a meticulous process, and then in six months' time I go, okay, I'm exhausted, I don't want to keep doing any more drawing, so I, so I put that down and then I can, I'll go, I'll pick up beads and then kind of exhaust working in that way, put that down for a while. So it's a, it's a nice kind of, like I said, ricocheting around in my own practice, what I want to work with, um, and I'm lucky to, you know, know, you know, know and engage in different ways to, to make that. So, the, so did, that was kind of the, the sort of ultimate um, 
culmination of maybe two or three years of working with the working that way with the loom. I think each there's you can see again if you go up if you go up close there's sort of these long thin vertical um, so each one of those vertical lines is a, is the is the loom that's the loom. So you can't so basic so that I think if my memory serves me correct they're 25 beads across because because that was as, that was as long as a needle. I could get. You have to sort of be able to push the needle through and get the, pull it out the other side. So. On the back of these, which of course as a curator you have the great pleasure of being able to do, <laughs> there are stitch marks all the way through. Mm. So, quite so the loom. So each sort of strip is that's a that's the that's a loomed, you know. So it's designed overall, and then you you almost have to chop up the design and just concentrate on the side, do the whole thing, which is the loom, take it off, you know, do a couple of other things to kind of finish it, then move on to the next bit. And so it's like a jigsaw. So there's sort of seven, um, you know, seven completed, I don't know, looms, if you will, that are then all stitched together in the end um, to make the overall um, panel. And also that I was actually quite proud of myself for that design because I actually only had, I actually only designed half of it and then just mirrored it, mirrored it over. So um, although it's seven individual things, it's kind, it's kind of three and a half. But it's still sort of flipped. So you sort of, and it, again, the process is interesting because you design the whole thing, and then you design the overall thing, and then you kind of have to concentrate on a side of it. So at all times, you're kind of working on it, not seeing the overall picture. It it only sort of all comes together um, right at the end. And so that was a big project. Um, and after I finished that, I actually wanted to. The, lo the loom is great, um, but it's it's also restrictive because it is you are restricted to the loom. loom so, so that's kind of all you can do. It can be square or rectangular, um, and you can you know it can be longer or shorter or whatever. But that's sort of all it is. So after I did that project, I wanted to kind of um, explore the beads in a way that was that had more three-dimensional um, potential. So in order to do that, I had to teach myself. Um, other techniques. So it was interesting that my dad taught me how to, how to um, you know, weave beads on a loom and then once you get kind of comfortable with the material and a needle and a thread and everything, I felt confident enough to kind of look like read books myself and go, okay, there's, um, there's a lot of different ways that you can, that different people and different cultures have kind of um, applied weaving beads together. Um, and that also overlap, like I'm interested in how um, te technically um, like we were just saying, a lot of cultures um, have used beads in various different ways and the technique seems to overlap despite the fact that I don't know if um, that was a shared thing or it's just a kind of, um, it's just a sort of natural way of figuring out how to kind of use that uh, material. So I was actually, at the time I was interested in ancient Egyptians used, one of the uh, used beading, bead weaving as part of the um, highly ritualized kind of funeral um, things. It was one of the layers in the coffins, potentially, it was a, a sort of blanket or, or dress sort of thing of beads. Um, and that's where, the, that's where the brick stitch, it's called brick stitch, came in, which are the black, purple, or orange, kind of solid sh designed shaped bits of those works. Um, and then the outside, of each of those shapes is then hand stitched and embroidered. So the more, so the more I kind of 
worked with the, with the beads, the more I got interested in the techniques, the more the technique kind of became the... Um, a more, more and more a driving force in why I would, why, what I would make work about. I'm interested in the sort of ritual of making as well, and I think that um, resonates through... or is a, is a common factor, at least, through each one of the um, beaded projects that I make. And, and again, I suppose that body of work is also a kind of... Um, there's something kind of... There's a sort of finality about my, my exploration in pushing how, how um, different technique, how, how far the different techniques can kind of be, um, kind of be stretched to. So the, the motif in those um, solid sort of block elements um, came about mostly because every time you design for the beads, it's on a grid with the, it's, a, it's a square grid for the loom because the, the beads are, just are, in a, are in lines. With the brick stitch, it's a sort of off grid because it's literally like a brick fence where, there's, where each, second, each layer is kind of like askewed from, from, the, from the next. But it, because you're sort of, that's, the, that's the bones of it, is a grid, it really lends itself to straight lines, triangles, zigzags. Uh, it's, it's like the technique wants you to work that way and the more I kind of, the more I kind of wanted the, the motifs in it to sort of be, um, to have curves, to have nice sort of, you know, let's say Art Nouveau kind of uh, vibe to it, the harder, the harder I found it to desi design for because it's, it's almost like a, it grates kind of against what it wants to be. Um, but still, I was happy with that motif, and I kind of sort of in it sort of um, encapsulates. So it sort of go, it almost it's like the motif kind of goes against the grain of I think what it wants to be, um, and then the um, again it's not a unlike those works which are designed to be just a full beaded panel mounted on the canvas. Those are two half kind of panels mounted on a canvas, and there's all this other space. So I'll go through and use a different technique, which is hand embroidering each line then around there to um, complete, the, complete the panel. So it's almost like, it's almost like, like to me, that, those old, the older works look like a very straightforward use of the, the technique and it's a design that really fits well into that kind of, it, it's, it's a design that, that is happy to be what it is and then those ones have kind of shoved as much, um, you know, it's, it, there's just as much, you know, there's enough, there's as much sort of, you know, alternative force or something that water wants to be in, in those works. So, um, yeah. Beautiful. Good time for questions. If you've got some. Olga's got one. Um, I know it's quite technical, mm. but with the, because it's so time consuming, do you find it meditative, even though you have mm. to always think about the number of beads that you get to the colour and, and mm. you know, changing over and all that. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I don't think, um, I don't think you could, you could do it in, like, as nuts as it look, like, as nuts as it looks, I don't think you could do it if you didn't, in, if you didn't enjoy it and it didn't have that, because I've gotten to, I, I sort of, having worked with it for maybe eight years or so, now, the, the first question I kind of ask myself is, like, am I, 
mentally willing to in because I know because it's like okay that's like I want to I want to work with beads at six months that six months of standing there literally doing a like a repetitive like the design bit at the start is kind of interesting and kind of creative and then it's just production for that amount of time so I know now whether or not it's like do I want to do this and sometimes no I don't or I can't you know because I don't want to start something that I that I, that I'll then not um, not finish yeah but yeah it's it's um, it is um, very med it's very meditative and that's again it's like that sort of ritual of making I think that like I think of ritual that has this sort of very repetitive and very meticulous action but that kind of does put you in a place that is um, you know I don't know what the right word is soothing yeah. of healing. you know healing yeah. something yeah. something like that yeah. and when and yeah and then you know you can you keep doing it and then it doesn't become that so you stop doing it mm -hmm. I think or know where that line is and don't cross and don't cross that line. Good question. This one here. I mean, I'm here, so I'm not too sure. When I look in short, those lines, to me, mm. it looks like Aboriginal painting sometimes. Mm. Mm. Is that sort of... Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, I, can, I, uh, I totally know what you, what you mean and what you can, what you can see in there. So the, the, um, the embroidery, which is the lines that you're talking about in the background of those. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's got a it's a weird sort of um, it's almost like a aerial an aerial view of the land, and it does have a strange kind of um, uh, relief or sort of sculptural um, body to it that. That yeah is you know that is evocative I think of the, of a kind of la landscape that and then um, you know Aboriginals have a very specific visual language that expresses that so so beautifully but that the hand so the hand stitching in those works um, came about because the other thing like I was saying I sort of pushed as much tension into those into the mm -hmm. the way of working with that. It, there is no, there's no such thing as spontaneity in, in working with the beads. Like you have to have everything mapped out before you do it, otherwise it'll just be a, a hot mess of a design or something. So I was so with those works, I kind of the the idea was also to kind of they're sort of collages because I've sort of designed elements, then sort of collage them down, and then I thought, okay, I'll design sort of half of the or two, you know two thirds of the work. And then leave the other third, which would, which I will simply hand stitch around, which is like a radiating line mm. out from those shapes. And it's like so that's another, that's another like you say, it's another beautiful pattern in the work. But some, it's like I was happy that I could I didn't design that per se. That was kind of spontaneous. Um, that's a spontaneous elements in that work that are that are simply reaction reacting to how I've placed the the woven um, the hand the hand woven panels on there. So. Um, I'd, I, I totally see what you mean, but it was kind of, but, the, but that was actually an exercise in letting that just look like what it was going to um, look like, and without and with me putting you know putting the least amount of um, control into the into that the making of that part of it as I could. We've just hung a really fantastic George Jungarai from the collection up in the vestibule. Go by when you're leaving. Go by the Melrose or the Elder Wing, and you'll see the Jungarai, and there is quite a. Uh, you know the tali, the kind of sand hills that Jungarai captured. You can see the connection. You can see exactly yeah. what you're saying, particularly in the orange work. Yeah. Most yeah. definitely. We have made a. We've been working with Alastair to make a silk scarf.
just as we've been working with Sarah Waters, who we're going to hear from next, to make a silk scarf inspired by the work, based on the work. Uh, it will be arriving very, very soon, just in time for Christmas, everybody. <laughs> so you do get to, uh, in some way, kind of keep a and Alistair McClucky. Yep. We, we I'm looking forward to wearing it 24 oh, 7, you know. Me too. Yeah, yeah. That's like the, yeah, the but, playful, um, that reversal of the kind of bead yep. of work into, into silk mm. and how that might play, how mm. that might kind of play. I, saw, I got a sneak peek earlier. It's, oh, it's very nice. Yeah. Great. Yep. Yeah, he's very. I mean, I've been, I'm like I was saying to my partner last night. I'm lucky to be, you know, to be have been and continue to be supported by my um, by my by my parents and family. And I've got two reasonably proud uh, parents. I think in the game, you know, I'm very different to my brothers. So, um, you know, we <laughs> keep we keep together? them on You and Dad. No, Dad. Dad. Um, he's. I think he kind of. He, he, these days, he sort of lives a bit more vicariously. He comes around and and goes. Oh, he's like, do it, do it while you can, because your eyesight will go. <laughs> Although, Dad. Dad. So that, I mean, I, I can get. I can get super technical and nerdy about you know bead and beads and craft. So I, they're like three millimeter beads. And Dad, for some reason, has only ever used like the smallest type of bead that you can. You can get so I was like, why? So you can get bigger ones if you want to do it. Like, just make it easier on yourself. But he's like, no, no, I'll get these. I'll get these tiny that I would struggle to, to work with. So, um, anyway. Fabulous. Thank you so much. That was just fantastic. That's such a beautiful work. They're such a kind of. I love the way they lure you into the space. Yeah. There's something so talismanic about them. There's something so kind of protective about them. And it's interesting that you make these works with a desire, with a kind of inherent or an innate healing in, intrinsic mm. to the process, and then they end up delivering that for us as well. Oh, that's nice. They're, yeah. they're full of solace. They're really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Really beautiful. Can you join me in thanking and congratulating you? Thank you.